Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the Womenhood and International Relations podcast. I'm your host, Natalia Bonilla. And for today's episode, we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Gisine Sapasi Mamutse, CEO and founder of the Vasipana Project in Zimbabwe. Gisine, thank you so much for joining this podcast. Thank you so much, Natalia, for having me. Um, it's such a pleasure to be on your platform sharing our story, Vascana Project. I'm very excited. I'm so also very thankful for Carla for allowing this connection to um, happen and learn more about the incredible work that you're doing for period dignity in your own country. And I would like for everybody that is listening out there to know more about your story. As a social entrepreneur coming from a very strong family of women that are very committed to social causes and women's rights, can you share with us what inspired you to launch the Vasikana Project? So Vasikana Project was launched in 2014. It started off as conversations between um, sisters, two sisters, um, on how we can best honor our mother. Uh, our mother passed away when we were very young. I was 17. So Vasikana Project came from discussions on how best we could carry on her legacy. She worked um, as a menstrual, a, a reproductive educator, a reproductive health educator. She worked to empower women in our community of Guruve back home in Zimbabwe to educate them on the different uh, contraceptives that were available. So that was a very impactful uh, project in that it gave a voice to women that could not otherwise uh, make decisions on their own. Um, at that time, you know, and even now, in some communities, uh, reproductive education is not something easily talked about. And, um, you know, just Africa, African girls were believed to uh, just be good enough for, you know, rearing kids and having kids and not have a voice on how many kids you had or, you know, um, or even your own life uh, per se. So um, that project that she did to empower women in reproductive health was very uh, significant and very impactful in the community. Uh, and we wanted to care carried forward um, and this time educating women on menstrual health education. Basikana means uh, girls in Shona language. Can you yes. share with us um, why this focus? Why on girls? Uh, I come from a family of a lot of girls. Um, my mother had seven girls. I'm one of seven girls. Um, and wow. so <laughs> that's a lot of <laughs> my parents were very involved in community services and you know just helping out in the community and my mom would volunteer us to help um, you, you know our aunties our grannies with whatever they needed to do and you know 
uh, my dad had a habit of getting us together every night uh, and to plan for the day. And he would call, you know, us, you know, Vascana, come, Vascana, this needs to be done. Vascana, this woman needs help, Vascana. So, you know, even my mom, she would volunteer us to other people in the community. Vascana, Vascana will help you. So just that word, Vascana, that's how, you know, the name came about for our project. That's incredible. Um, I wanted to um, understand a bit about the context of Zimbabwe, um, because most of our listeners are either from the United States, Mexico, or Europe, and we may not have a clear understanding or perhaps some, you know, misconceptions or stereotypes about what's happening in your own country. Can you share with us, like, what are the current situation, what are the key issues of menstrual health education in, in your nation? Um, Zimbabwe has been faced, um, you know, with a lot of economical challenges uh, over the years. Um, and that those economic challenges is very, um, you know, it impacts a lot on the woman, you know, especially in purchasing menstrual health products. You know, yes, they are available, but a lot of the women cannot afford them, you know. Uh, and most jobs, they are paid in, in US dollar. And this affects them in that they are not making as much as, as you know, they are not making, let, for example, a teacher, only makes up 300 US dollars. And from that $300, they still need money for food, um, money for transport to and from work, money for clothing, money for fees. And um, th this, you know, it becomes a choice. You have to make a decision every month whether to buy food for your family or to buy sanitary pads, you know. And that has been. Um, the challenges that uh, most women are facing in Zimbabwe, having to make that choice, uh, whether you, you buy a loaf of bread or a packet of pens uh, for yourself or even your daughters in the family. So, so it's the economic uh, struggles and challenges that has um, played a major role um, in women facing a lot of um, well, period poverty, actually. And I just wanted to add that it's not just in Zimbabwe, you know, it's period poverty is everywhere. It's not an easily talked about subject. And, yeah. you know, even here in the US, uh, most products are taxed and, you know, there's a lot of advocacy around that um, to um, lessen the tax or even do away with the taxes, you know. So it's a global problem, but more so in developing countries because of the economics challenges that are uh, laid upon on the women. In terms of culture and social conditionings, um, finding the money to buy pads or to buy you know a menstrual cup etc may may be like linked to period poverty but are there like some stereotypes or taboos or cultural understandings that are preventing girls from accessing sanitary or hygiene um products uh, for menstrual health <laughs> <laughs> 
products are you know readily available most stores carry them is the economic part okay. not having the money to purchase the products and then um there's not a lot of you know cultural part affecting access to the product is the money and you know um just the lack of money to purchase the product and also um in some communities there's all it there's just you know, it still remains a taboo in a lot of communities. It's not an easy, a subject that is easily talked about. So that still uh, that affects access to the educational piece of it. And um, this topic used to be shared among you know families um, that with the aunties of the families or the grannies of the family carrying on the role to educate their young girls on on their menstrual cycle, but this um, tradition per se uh, is no longer there because a lot of families have migrated and have separated. You know, like for example, I in my culture would be a tete right now, but I'm here in the US and I have family all over the world and I'm not, you know, it, you know, I wouldn't be able to carry that role as a tete to educate my young nieces uh, in my family. So that has played a major role. And there again, it goes back to the economic difficulties that has caused people to migrate elsewhere. What do girls or women experience when they kind of buy sanitary pads? Like, do they stay at home? Do they wear clothes? I mean. Um, well, most people, you know, there's been talks of girls missing school uh, because of lack of product. Um, during that time of the month, they would rather stay home than go home to school and mess up their uniform. And then there's also, you know, just as I mentioned, the, the, the inability or lack of openness to talk about the topic that also hinders a child from going to school. Yeah. Sometimes it's really not lack of product. It's also the reactions of others, um, you know, when a girl spoils their uniform, you know, it's just the comments. So that also plays a part in the educational piece, making it, um, creating open communities for people to be able to discuss on menstrual health. With your work, um, something that I find very inspiring is your approach to menstrual health education, because it doesn't come only from the point of, you know, like sexual and reproductive rights or like how to uh, learn more about the body, but you have also integrated other elements like self-esteem development, um, you know, like a healthy relationship with food, with nutrition, with others. Um, you know, how was this crafting of or approach to menstrual health education from a holistic view um there is a lot of um issues that um are related to menstrual health and a lot of the time these are left out a lot of the time girls are educated only on 
the use of the pad, uh, disposing it or using it, and that's it. But there's also important aspect that, that um, girls need to be educated on. And these issues like um, importance of iron in the diet to help prevent anemia. And this is a very important aspect in a woman's health because most women end up being anemic without even knowing it until they are pregnant. I am anemic. <laughs> anemic, yes. <laughs> We found on the iron. So it's very important to also educate women, I mean, to educate girls early on in their lives about the importance of iron. Um, and also, you know, just knowing their flow, their, their cycle, and um, being able to identify the norms and, and, you know, what's normal and abnormal so that. You know, you know, when something happens, because our we learn a lot from our menstruation. Um, a lot of uh, it gives us a lot of indications on what's going on with our body when we are stressed. Our flow changes or our cycle changes, and also um, conditions like fibroids. I identify fight by heavy menstruation, so you can identify that through the changes in your flow, you know, and also um, irregularity can be a pro it can be a, another indication of another problem. And painful means is not normal. It can also be an indication of endometriosis. That is uh, another condition that affects uh, can affect women. So, so it's very important to educate um, children to be think positively about their periods and also be aware um, of the changes that can happen throughout their um, life as a woman, you know. And, and I don't think in the past we even know, we even, uh, or for myself, I didn't realize the important significance of, you know, like the onset begins a new era in a woman's life. And, mm -hmm. and the end of the menstrual cycle begins another era, I mean, in a woman's life. So it's our menstrual cycle, it's a very indicator of all of the changes that can be happening in our body, you know? So. Since you started, how has been the reception of this type of work? Um, has it been like, you know, groundbreaking? Has it been inspiring to see the changes in some schools? Like, can you share more about that type of uh, feedback? So when I first started, I started off, you know, just educating because I'm based in uh, the US originally from Zimbabwe, as you all know. <laughs> <laughs> So I uh, started off by just educating people online, on Facebook, on my page, and a lot of people would get embarrassed uh, mm. about me talking about periods constantly. Um, <laughs> it's like yeah. the period girl. <laughs> yes, and people would actually unfriend me because, oh, she's what? always about periods and she's embarrassing us, you know. So, but as time is, went on, you know, I remained consistent, I believe in, in the work that I was doing and I wanted so much to reach 
the rural girl in, in the communities in Zimbabwe. So most recently, I was able to do that through a book. So that was really groundbreaking because it is the first publication in Shona language in my country, actually in a vernacular language. Uh, it's the first publication of on menstrual health, you know, because menstrual you created health it or is it Menstrupedia? Like it's Menstrupedia comic book. I partnered with Menstrupedia to publish their book in That's my amazing. own language. Yes, That's instead incredible. of printing the wheel. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. How was this process of partnering up with a big publication and, you know, translating it to your own language and delivering it to these communities? Like, that's amazing. Oh my gosh. It's something that I was just thinking about. Never thought it would actually happen come to life and happen. So I, you know, I reached out to Aditi, who's the co-founder of Menstrupedia and asked her if I could attend one of her classes. And from that class, it led me uh, attending another uh, class on uh, menstrual health uh, program development. And, you know, she was very willing for, for us to publish the book in Shona, which was just amazing. And, you know, I discovered just how, you know, well thought thought and put together the book was it just encompasses everything and and you know I wanted to make sure that the girls in Zimbabwe they too get that knowledge available to them so I'm thankful that um, it has happened and come true have you <laughs> um have a long way to go and publish it in more languages have you delivered it like in person have you received like some girls saying, I love this book? <laughs> yes, yes. So we launched May 29 and the week of our launch, um, I haven't personally been to Zimbabwe since the launch, but uh, we're fortunate enough that my husband was able to go and um, launch the book in Zimbabwe. And he managed to do a distribution at a community in Mashingo, which was well received. And so far, uh, like to say we've touched almost 20 schools so okay. far you know and um schools in Chiredzi community in Chironga community schools in Hurungwe we donated to terrorite trend schools um and um to to some of her schools uh schools I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Terrorite Trent um and also you know we are still making strides, but because of COVID, yeah. it has also impacted uh, our distributions and our events um, in that way. But we are hoping as things start to move forward, we start to do more distribution and also, you know, to appeal for more funding to print more copies of the book because we launched with a thousand copies and we are almost running out of the thousand. But that's good because it's been like people need it. Like it's, it's yes. nice. Yes. Um, you know, I've had college girls come to, you know, send me messages like, oh, I didn't even know that's how you count your days to prepare for your next period. You know? Oh my, so, oh, so college uh, girls? Uh-huh. So oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wow. 
Um, yeah. That's groundbreaking. I need to get a copy. I have not seen, like, I mean, I've interviewed about it, but. <laughs> oh, you have not seen. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, this book, we, um, you know, we managed to make it um, relatable to the African girl. So the images are somewhat um, changed. I so love it. I'm, I'm going to say to everybody that's listening, we are currently having a video conversation. So she's showing me the book and it definitely looks very, very cute. And um, yeah, we are going to post a picture of it on the Instagram account. So check it out. And we're going to link Bastigana Project for you to learn more about this book. But if you want, you know, like show me through and <laughs> since we're seeing it for Huawei. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the book is not available online because they were only printed in Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. yeah. But people can order it from Zimbabwe to have it like printed there, like if, uh, yes. okay, yes. okay. And it doesn't matter the age, like you said, like college girls can benefit from reading this yes. book. And, you know, this is very, <laughs> you know, um, interesting because it feels as if we, where do we have proper education on menstrual health? Like, I don't feel like we have it. And even in my own experience, like I learned at school, you know, like the biological parts and the basic stuff. Like here you will bleed at some point, you will have your menstruation and put a pad or put like a menstrual cup or whatever, but mm -hmm. nothing more. <laughs> and then yeah. Yeah. my mom was not but, very... <laughs> about it yeah, yeah yeah and you don't talk it much with your friends unless you're like stain like if you have like a stain or mm -hmm. you know I oh, got or a pain like oh I'm on my period I don't want to go out like those are like the two things that I think at least in this part of the world we often talk and it's a shame because there's a lot connected to it um Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. And even when I was growing up, you know, all you were educated on was the use of the, at that time, there was use of cotton wool and mm -hmm. how to hold it and put it between your legs. You know, there wasn't, you, you didn't know about the different like even for your cycle, you have different flows, you have different light days and heavy days. So, you know, most girls don't know that and they end up spoiling, they're not prepared for the period. So, you know, they don't know that you start off light, then you get heavy, then you get light again, you know, and then just being prepared. So a lot of information in that book covers that, all that yeah. prepping up and, um, making sure your period ready for your next uh, period and just creating positive environment, especially around the stain that it mm -hmm. doesn't have to be uh, to be associated with negative connotation on uh, a child spoiling their uniform at school. There shouldn't be whispers and giggles and comments, you know, that can, you know, impact the girl's self-esteem and, you know, just ruin it for the rest of their lives because no one really ever forgets if they spoil their dress and get that <laughs> experience it's something that you carry uh for your on with your life and you really can't be 
yourself, especially if you're one of those girls that are heavy menstruators and yeah. you know, constantly you can't be yourself because you're w watching and not to spoil your uniform, you know? Yeah, yeah, you don't feel comfortable. You're all the time, like, not yeah. at ease, like tense, like, I don't know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, how has the COVID-19 pandemic affected Zimbabwe's girls and women in terms of menstruation or in terms of health in general? It has affected, you know, in so many ways. First of all, just that, um, you know, people have not been able to work, most have lost their jobs. So there we go again, the economic part yeah. of it, <laughs> to buy the sanitary pads and reusing it for pads. Wow. And then girls not being able to go to school. So now they don't have that source of information, of source of little information that was available to them. You know, they were able to learn um, at school, maybe. Um, it, it's still not a topic that's covered in school, but there's a little bit in the science part. So because they were not going to school, they are not able to get that, um, you know, teaching on menstruation. So most people don't, most girls don't realize what is happening to them, what changes until they get a blood in their underwear. That's when they realize, you know, there's such thing as periods. That's gonna happen to me every month from now on and how to take care of myself during that time, you know. So there's no pre-prepping, preparing the child um, before the actual onset. Mm -hmm. So this has been, you know, even, made worse due to COVID, you know, because of the encouraged isolation, there were not a lot of socialization. So that's why the book <laughs> The book definitely becomes the companion. <laughs> it breaks barriers and it makes the information accessible to, mm. to you know, so I and easy wish, to read uh, too. Like you don't have to read, understand, and also it's in a comic. Uh, mm -hmm. It's in a comic story, so it's friendly. Mm -hmm. um, it's a story actually of little girls uh, together learning about periods. So it's it's really friendly and 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 very relevant to young girls eight years and above. Um, to, to help them understand. And also teachers can use the book to lighten up the subject and help uh, educate girls on menstrual health. Parents also can use the book to, you know, help. That's very important because, you can know. Just buy the book and give the child to read and, and help them that way. And I think parents also carry the stigma of not knowing how to address it or how what yes. are the words to say yes. and having the book and say you know like serve as here read it up. <laughs> teaching too, you know, and most people don't know where where to start. Like you say, you know, they they just you know are so embarrassed because that's mm -hmm. what they they too know that that they grew up in that culture and society where it wasn't talked about. So mm -hmm. they too shine away from uh, talking about it. So 
Yes, that's that's what we try to eradicate. <laughs> yeah, and it's an ongoing cause. And before we finish this episode, I have two last questions. The first one is related to the whole conversation on sustainability. And I would like to know from your point of view and, and from what's going on in Zimbabwe, like what are the trends? Because here in Mexico, it's the menstrual cup, you know, like how to move from sanitary pads that are not, you know, that one one time use and it's, it's gonna create waste, like sustainable waste is a problem, at least in Mexico and in other countries they're trying to create like a most sustainable way. Um, there are other options like recyclable pads or made of cotton or, you know, even uh, women are coming together to create their own uh, menstrual pads. What are the trends in Zimbabwe? Like, where do you see the sustainability aspect there? Um, there is also a lot of uh, education that's happening in Zimbabwe uh, of women um, learning uh, how to create their own sanitary pads um, to alleviate uh, some of that challenge of uh, not having enough money to purchase pads and also um, reusable cups have been also been uh, introduced. Um, there are a lot of organizations that are sourcing funds to create reusable pads, sourcing funds to make sure there are reusable cups available. But with those, still there's need for education. You know, because a lot of hygiene has to be factored in for those um, to for for those products to be used um, well, you know, to prevent um, them being a risk for you, um, there needs to be the products need to be accompanied with a lot of education, especially, you know, and for the reusable cup, it's not a product that we encourage for young girls. They are still learning about their body and inserting um, something else in their bodies at eight years old, uh, you know, it's very, it's not the best of products for a child. So, but as they get older, the important aspect of education and how to make sure it's clean and for safe and stored safely in a clean environment for reuse next time. And then also for the reusable pads, how to wash it and make sure that it dries properly in the, in the sun and, uh, and not to use it when it's damp because when you use them when it's damp, it creates another risk for infection. So a lot of education has to be accompanied with the you know, reusable um, items. And, a lot of taboos also play a factor in how these products are used. For example, one of the biggest taboos um, in my culture in Zimbabwe is that no one should see your blood. So this hinders the care of these products because there you are using a reusable pads, but you cannot adequately wash it and hang it to dry because you are worried someone is going to see your blood and they will be with you or, or whatever. And then also lack of water. There's not enough, you know, water. There's um, 
water rationing where water is turned off for some hours and stuff like that. So just having the enough water to make sure that pad is soaked enough and clean enough to reuse next time is a challenge um, in some areas and in, in some communities. You know, even in the rural areas where there's no running water, just making sure that that reusable pad is clean uh, for a next use can be can be very challenging. So that's what that's the important uh, education that needs to be accompanied with these reusable pads. And we also touch on that in the book. The book touches on on that educational piece of the care of those reusable pads uh, to make sure the child knows how to soak it. So. Uh, this, the blood comes off and then hang it out in the sun so that bacteria or whatever are killed naturally by the sunlight. What's next for Vasikana project? <laughs> What's coming? <laughs> How can we support your work? <laughs> so Vasikana project, our contract with Mestropedia allows us to publish as many languages in the southern part of Africa. Oh. So I'm still, of course, we need to print more copies of the Shona book. Um, for a scanner project, I'm seeing a vision of publishing the book in more, more uh, African languages um to make sure that the information is accessible to more girls in the continent of Africa that um, they have that educational piece on menstrual health education and um, to just continue growing and um, you know eradicating the silence on menstrual health education and creating period poverty uh, not period, period. <laughs> we are eradicating period poverty <laughs> yes creating period proud community <laughs> where people are open to discuss about it uh and, and children you know parents teachers they're open to talk about it and so that's where Vascana is headed. And people can support us in uh, so many ways. Uh, I talked about the funding for printing more copies, funding to publish the book in more languages. Um, and also, you, people can also support us by buying this amazing journal that we published in 2019. It's titled, I Call On You, Sis. So this is a journal, a call to other women uh, to empower each other and just remind each other how important our relationships are as women um, and to you know, speak positively when in every conversation so we don't destroy each other's dreams, each other's <laughs> desires. It's important to and say that. <laughs> <laughs> So proceeds from the sale support Vascana project. So we're going to feature in the links uh, of this episode, the information of this book that she's showing me, the journal. Um, we are going to be featuring it and sharing it all with you. She is on the front cover of that journal <laughs> holding a phone. <laughs> Very nice. So I'm, I'm personally making a call to other women to support 
other women in Zimbabwe through the journal and uh, proceeds from the journal go to support our course for a scanner project. And the journal is available in Walmart here in the US. Mm -hmm. It's available in Barnes and Nobles. It's also available worldwide um, uh, on Amazon. Okay. So yes. And if anyone is listening, if they can buy a million copies. <laughs> they will help a lot of women and girls. Come on. <laughs> We can put the Menstrupedia comic in every girl's, uh, in every African girl's hands. If if I can get uh, a million copies of the journal sold. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I wanted to ask, um, just to clarify, the journal would be for like women, like, like adult women, or is it also open for girls? Yeah. Um, the journal is open for girls as well. Okay. It, it uh, touches on, on um, oh, so topics that affect us as women and how we can, um, you know, encourage each other throughout the journey. You know, it talks about divorce, about childbirth, about um, celebration, about pain, depression, and all the issues that women go through. And it's really good to help um, just, you know, get your words out, you know, mm -hmm. especially if you've lost someone um, to journal about it and it gives you a guide and has pages where you can make notes and document. So it's a very important gift for, you know, women in your circle, just to remind them how important their relationship or support has been, you know, for a wedding party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really love it. And I feel like it's needed, this type of tools, because we read a lot in textbooks, are in, you know, novels and, you know, fiction books and all that. But having like a tool, like a journal where you can actually reflect upon these questions where you can start you know answering yourself if you have like doubts on some issues like having a companion that can guide you is is necessary because there's yeah. a lot of noise out there and I really love that yeah. you were saying that this is also to foment or to promote um sorority or sisterhood because yes. it's needed yes. sometimes we feel like you know we are not connected yes. to one another although we are but like as women yes. you know and it's good that that that's the approach <laughs> no, yeah thank you so much no, I want to say thank you for your time, for this opportunity, for interviewing you. And I invite everybody that's listening to go to the links in the description box to follow Vasicana Project on social media and to check all these different um, efforts that they're trying to um, promote from the campaign of the Menstrupedia comic to the journal. Like there are many ways that you can support. Um, so we will feature down below on the description box, all the links for you to check it out. Dissine, <sighs> any last thank you quote, so quote that you wanna share with us? <laughs> <laughs> and you know just um 
appealing to you know anyone that's listening to just be the change that you want to see if you see a problem or something that needs to uh that needs a solution to just be be that change that you want to see and um you know it's it's not easy but if you set your mind um and um you know are passionate about it um God will lead the way. Things uh, will happen for you that you never thought would happen. So that has been true for Laskana's journey. It's something that we just were we're talking about over the phone and it's taken its own wings and grown. Um, so, you know, it doesn't matter if you have the money to start or, you know, if you, if you, if you totally believe on something and ch making a change in the world to be the change that you want to see. Not to be discouraged. I feel like your story and everything that you have shared with us has shown very much that it is possible, even if there's not you know, enough X, Y, Z, enough money, enough commitment, enough interest from people. Like when you're committed, you will find a way, you know, because it's like that, so. Yeah. I, I've, I'm left very inspired, Yusine, and I want to say thank you so much for your time. And yeah, up to the next time. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to learning more about your work as well. And, you know, if I can help share your work and your platform, that would be awesome. I greatly appreciate that too. So thank you so much. If you love this episode, please share with us your feedback. You can follow us at womenhood underscore IR. You can also share this episode among your friends, your networks, to spread the word on the incredible work that the women that we are interviewing are doing all around the world. We also invite you to check our crowdfunding campaign for the first feminist self-world journal. Our first podcast journal will help deconstruct the patriarchal mindset from the personal to the international level. All the links will be featured down below in the description box. We thank you so much for tuning in. Talk to you soon.